How's it, Internet? And welcome to Two Guys in SharePoint. The only SharePoint show in South Africa where everything is not made up and there are no points. How's it, Al? Good afternoon, Mr. Modlin. We're early this week. Yeah, we are. You're uh, running off jet-setting again. And uh, we've actually, for once, got all our ducks in a row. So there's still going to be an episode this week. Getting it done early, and it'll be up on Friday as usual. Yeah, strangely enough, um, like I said earlier on the week, maybe we I should start planning things earlier on in the week so that we don't rush on a Wednesday to do the recording. It's almost like we're professionals or something. It's really <laughs> weird. Yeah, is this what professionals are like? It feels strange, eh? It's like the blog post that I sent you about the top five tips to hosting a successful podcast. Yeah. The, we, we do most of those. The one is the consistency, and I think we're getting better at that. So, What, what was inter- interesting in that stats, right, and I don't know how true it is, but in that post it, it says that 82%, was it? No, not 82%, it was. As many people that are active on Twitter in the U.S., are listening to podcasts. I'm not surprised. It's really big. And the average podcast listener consumes eight shows a week. Wow, I'm way above average. That's actually, I'm, I'm, I'm sadly above average. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, moving along uh, on to our guest for the week. Uh, yeah, who do we have this week? Sorry, huh? I don't know that one. <laughs> Besides Alexa. (laughs) I don't know how she figured, how she managed to find her name in that sentence. Anyhow, we've never had an Azure person on the show, hey? I I can't remember. I don't think we've ever spoken Azure. I'm not sure. We've discussed it. I don't know if we've had a guest on to discuss it. So this week on the show, we have an esteemed uh, friend of mine, uh, fellow MVP, uh, Warren Dutoy. also known as Double Time Waza, and he's chatting to us about all things Azure and the usual, you know how these guest interviews work. So let's cross to that now. And on this week's show, I, I, I don't know how to, to introduce the, the young gentleman. Um, he's new to the club, um, and he, he didn't start doing sort of Microsofty stuff and art. Um, with his naughty badge that's an MVP, he has to kind of talk about these things. Uh, welcome, Warren DeToy. Hi. What's happening? Hi. How are you today? Very, very well, thank you. Wonderful day in South Africa. Hot. Yeah, it is kind of warm. Eh? It's supposed to be raining later today in, in, in Cape Town, apparently. And snow forecast. Don't ask me how or why. <laughs> so Warren, just for the listeners, uh, who you are, what you do, where you're from, uh, that sort of thing. Right, so born and bred South African. Um, I've been messing around with computers, geez, I would say since I was about 11. Uh, you know, back 486 days, I guess. You know, Windows 95. I was a Windows boy uh, for a while. And then uh, I went to the dark side, became a Linux boy. And now through and through command line all the way. And then sort of when Microsoft decided that PowerShell was the way to live, I sort of gravitated a little bit more towards that. And then um, I started working with Nick, Nicholas Blank. And uh, yeah, Microsoft just opened up a lot. And then being the number one open source contributor on the planet, I just, I'm in my element, man. 
Is that right? The number one open source contributor on the planet. That is right. That is right. They overtook Facebook and uh, Google. Um, I mean, if you go and look at it now, you'll see that the entire of PowerShell is open source. Um, so if you ever find that PowerShell does not have a switch for a specific command that you're looking for, just yeah. build it. Fork it. Fork it, build it, submit it, and they'll approve it. Um, it's, it's incredible what they've gone and done with a lot of their stuff. And you can see that, I mean, look, yesterday they announced uh, over a thousand updates to Azure in the past 12 months. That's a lot. I mean, that's incredible. That's like three updates a day. And okay. um, they've gone and they've, take, they've embraced the whole DevOps model. They use everything they sell. And they dog food everything before they release it. There's not these long release cycles anymore. I mean, Visual Studio Team Services has literally like a three-month release cycle, even less, um, if, you, if you're part of the previews and the betas. And um, it's just incredible how fast they move with stuff now. Um, gone are the days where you had to wait like nine months for an update. So, yeah, they're doing really, really well, such as making a, making a good mark. Okay, so but... You're you're in the Azure space, right? I am, yeah, yeah. And before you got to Azure, what what space were you in? So look, um, I cut my teeth on the cloud. I started in the cloud sort of around the 2009 mark when I started working for Mimecast. Um, they were like literally the cloud computing guys here, you know, first SaaS provider, uh, first grid computing, and they embraced DevOps a really long time ago as well. And so that's how I sort of cut my teeth on the whole Linux deployment, puppet chef automation, because uh, there were thousands of machines globally that we had to manage and we had to do it efficiently. So that's sort of where I started. Um, and then when I moved in with Nick and I took the whole Microsoft side of things, then Azure just sort of came naturally because Everything was geared around that, around deployment, around making things easier, uh, scalable computing. And then what happened was Azure started making more and more and more and more services, and it just became more and more appealing. And so I just sort of tripped, fell, and landed in Azure and didn't want to leave. <laughs> uh, Azure is growing. There. I mean, it's, it's, Microsoft was late to the party, but I mean, they surpassed the likes of AWS and everyone else that's doing, doing sort of cloud. And if you ask anyone you, right now, so who are the cloud people that you know, chances are they're going to tell you it's, it's Microsoft and Amazon. Are there any yeah. other cloud providers that are, are sort of competing in that space? Look, I would say that you've got a lot of the guys who are sort of embracing um, OpenStack and they're sort of trying to create their own sort of versions of it. Um, you know, I think they're trying to sort of, I don't know, customize it, you know. Um, if you look at it, Google, Google's got uh, quite a big cloud space as well. Um, you know, they sell, I mean, they sell a lot of the Kubernetes-based stuff and you can literally <clears throat> deploy a Kubernetes cluster inside of Google and they'll do all the ingress and uh, egress and stuff like that for you through, you know, their fabric. So Google's actually quite big at the moment. Um, I would say, yeah, you, AWS is there, um, Azure's there. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys who are sort of embracing the whole uh, cloud computing sort of thing, but they're not necessarily doing it on their own infrastructure. I mean, like you can go to, like, I mean, Oracle and uh, Red Hat OpenShift and those kinds of things are all uh, cloud computing uh, technologies, uh, but essentially 
Azure's given them a place to run. I mean, as opposed to them running them themselves. So it's a lot of a lot of words that was in a dialect of of English that I didn't quite understand. Um, and, and I'm sure more so our listeners. So ingress, postgres, ingress. What were you talking about? There? <laughs> okay, ingress and egress. It's outgoing and incoming traffic. Oh. Um, so when it comes to microservices, so containers yeah. inside of yeah. Kubernetes, Kubernetes, that's Kubernetes. Soft- is it like uh, Cupertino? So what do they call? <laughs> so, what? Kubernetes. It's an orchestration engine. Um, for Docker containers. Talk, talk um, us about, start at the beginning, you said orchestration. So explain to yeah. the mere mortals what that means in an IT world. So what are you orchestrating? So you are orchestrating containers, Docker what containers, is, what, what, which what are mean? essentially, they're essentially um, virtual machines without the fluff. So you're spinning up a Docker container. Yeah, you're spinning up, but you're not just spinning them up. You're um, deploying them. You're, you're 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 deploying them when you meet specific thresholds. So let's say you're running, I don't know, a web application, okay, and the web application needs a specific amount of threads. You can spin up containers that handle specific amount of threads, and then as soon as the demand increases, it just goes and deploys new ones for you, and they can be spun up and spun down. Like literally intensive seconds. So depending on what you've got them running on, it basically it allows you to run multiple versions or multiple instances and multiple versions, I guess, of a specific application, so that you have the scalability of the cloud, and you also you then don't have all the other hindrances of a virtual machine. So if you have to think about all the other stuff that happens when you run a virtual machine, so you've got the OS version and you've got driver versions and you've got library versions and all this kind of stuff. When you spin up a container, the container contains just what the application needs to run. That's it. No fluff. And so what happens is it goes up and down really, really quickly. It scales up, scales out. All right. So what you're saying is microservices is like serverless computing. Is it the same thing? I would say, yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. It is serverless computing. I mean, it runs on a server. I mean, it runs on a virtual machine. But essentially, yes, it would be serverless because it doesn't need all the other junk. Yeah, you pretty much don't care about the backend, the complete backend. Generally, we'd, in the well, past, yeah, we yeah. care about the operating system at least or... 100%. We'd worry. I suppose it's taking mainstream applications into where something like SharePoint Online is, or as part of the Office 365 stack. You don't care about the backend. Yeah. There's this portal, and you do stuff, and it works. Yeah, that's it. It just works. And so, you know, with Kubernetes, what it does is it orchestrates all what, of those what, things. What was Kubernetes? And allows you to. <laughs> <laughs> So Kubernetes is 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 a is an open source project that uh, is actually run by Google. Um, Google run it and maintain it, and it essentially manages these containers, but from start to finish. So uh, okay. you know, c- uh, containers is is software defined networking at its best when you think about it, because each one of those containers has an IP address, and each one of those containers needs to communicate with the world. And so there's stuff like Flannel. Flannel happens to be a software-defined networking stack that allows these containers to communicate with each other and, uh, you know, outside world. So let's say database or um, a web service or whatever the case would be. And so what happens is Kubernetes is able to manage that so that you don't have to. 
I mean, so you can build a Kubernetes cluster and hand it over to the developer and say, this is where you put your code and it'll run. End of story. That's it. So, Walk away. So Drop Kubernetes mic. and flannels and why does it sound like Microsoft? Is this in Azure? So these no, well, so Kubernetes, does, Kubernetes can, can run in Azure, sure. But it, 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 it's, it's, it's right, a Google so, product. Okay, I've asked um, and answered. So yeah. all the Linux people came up yep. with the names. No, no, no <laughs> but a look good, at yes, octopus, yes, elephant, definitely. patty, all those definitely. things. I mean, the names mean nothing. Flannel. No. Flannel yeah. is a material. Man. Flannel. It's what hipsters wear. 100%. And you know, ch- chances are the way flannel is woven is the reason they called it that is because it's a is, woven Is this a hypothesis from you? Are you hypothesizing? <laughs> yes, well? probably. Okay. I am hypothesizing. We get the, Google, the yeah. listeners to Google it. Think and for then a let moment, <laughs> There's a good when chance I'm right. When you blot the word flannel, what is it that you see? Uh, I suppose that's what it would be. <laughs> and in the Azure space, where's Microsoft going with these microservices and containers? And So Microsoft have developed their own one. Um, I actually did a, a podcast about it in uh, our Cloud Architects podcast, um, just a little little bit of a short, where what happened was um, Microsoft went and joined Cloud Foundry, yeah, yeah. which is yeah, an organization, and um, yeah, 100%. And so, believe it or not, they actually joined before AWS did. <laughs> and so, AWS needed to say, oh, I remember now. But anyway, they have developed their own microservices instances that can run. And what they've done is they've actually released a Kubernetes API as well. So you can use your current Kubernetes installation to deploy to Azure as well. So you can essentially extend your container instances into Azure, run them there exactly as you would anywhere else. So, I mean, it's, it, and a lot of people, there's a misconception that Azure Container Instances or ACI is there to replace Kubernetes or Docker Swarm or something like that as an orchestration engine, but it's not. It's to run containers. Lots of words once again. Thank you very much for that. Oh, are you fine? <laughs> I tried to elaborate on the well, acronyms. You I tried. Um, I think it was your first uh, acronym that you dropped. So is Kubernetes like System Center for provisioning? It's it's a it's a yes and a no um, because it. Yes, I would. Yeah, you know what? If you if you have to look at it, yes, it it did it does. However, the software itself doesn't necessarily get put into Kubernetes. You put the software in something like Docker Hub, and then okay. you would deploy it from there into a service that Kubernetes would then manage. So, kind of right. like well, halfway. I there. don't think we have enough time on the show to uh, let you waffle on about <laughs> all these weird. Um, placeholders. I don't know what to call it anymore. Containers, Docker's, Kubernetes, uh, just yeah, uh, flannels. I, I guess microservices would be a good uh, way. But microservices, I don't like the term microservices or or server. I think serverless computing because you don't care about the backend. Yeah. And your experience with microservices, Kubernetes, flannels, putties, octopuses, and um, all of those things in South Africa. So I actually recently did a deployment um, and it was great because we literally just took three Hetzner boxes, yeah. TrueServe mm-hmm. boxes, okay? Three Hetzner boxes and we connected them all up 
um, using uh, something that I'm extremely uh, an, a huge advocate, let's say, of a of a software called Zero Tier. Guys, must go Google that. It'll change your life. Zero Tier. Z e r o t i e r. It's sort of a, a a VPN networking platform, and so we connected these TrueServe servers up. Uh, we gave them these sort of this internal IP range set. We made one a DB server and we made two uh, uh, Kubernetes master and a slave, and it just worked. Scalable application that can just take like millions and millions of hits, and it just worked. And it's literally running on true serve servers from Hetzner. It's working really, really well. So what you're really saying is that that microservices and serverless computing, you're not limited to just moving, oh, I have to go Azure. You just did it on on three physical pieces of tin sitting at Hetzner. I That's wonder right, if it's yeah. physical, though. I'm not sure. True serve would be, a, it's a dedicated, is it a dedicated VM? Well, these ones were physical. And the only reason I know is because I had to do the RAID config. So they had to have, so like, let's say the database server had to have solid state disks in it and those kinds of things. So I had to do the RAID config, okay, so they were physical. Right. Your take on, on what's happening next year with them, you were, no, you weren't at the partner thing yesterday, were you? I was, yes, yeah, I was. No announcements that we, we as uh, technical individuals would really worry about. Um, partner kickoff means this is how you should sell stuff and this is the way we're going to make money or at least that's how it comes across to me you know with regard to announcements the announcement was the same okay next yeah, year I, I see Zoeb didn't, didn't commit to a date no and I don't you know nobody does nobody will and their their excuse is look it makes sense we don't why? know so it does as you is same is it is there growth what about Google dropping their edge servers down and one in Cape Town one in Joburg did you hear that rumor as well well, not Google, Amazon. Sorry. Look, you either, I mean, you know, from what I'm seeing is you either you are or you aren't for the time being until you get shown or you feel it for yourself. So you'll see like there's a bunch of guys in South Africa who are AWS guys and they'll stay AWS guys when, whether Azure comes to the country or not, um, you know, because they're diehard fans of the technology. And I mean, I suppose I would say I'm a diehard fan for Azure. So I'm going to rush there because that's, you know, my slice of cake. But, um, you know, so I think when it comes to Office 365, there may be more of a push there because a lot of companies are using it already. So I, I would see them wanting to bring that here. With regards to Azure, I think, you know, as much as I see a, a lot of people going, it's expensive. Um, and I think People need to look long and hard at whether they're going to be uh, saving money or not when it comes to Azure and how they're going to move their stuff. I mean, if they're going to do a lift and shift, it's going to cost them a lot of money. They need to put some time and some effort into planning it so that they don't do a lift and shift. They need to decide what they want in infrastructure as a service, what they want in platform as a service, and what they want in software as a service. And those are the discussions that they need to have so that they can make the move to Azure Is it cost really effective. That expensive? Look, um, <laughs> I would say oh, look, we know that, it can you be. Do any HPC um, stuff and you pay through your Yeah. I mean, anything like, yeah, add a GPU in there and you will pay for sure. Um, you know, uh, Zoeb actually on stage yesterday said something about a client. They started, I think it was three months ago with a $2,000 a month bill. 
And now they're at something like a $200,000 a month bill or something crazy. It was ridiculous. You, you Actually, it was unfathomable. But essentially, the uptake was just that much Look, that I they were able to if consume. Look, I understand you've got a data center in your building and you're servicing however many people. And three years ago, you dropped 10 bar into the data center. Because that happens. All right. I mean, I've, I've, yeah. I've touched it does. 200 million rand um, data centers. You know, where the fiber channeling is perfectly platted yeah. and all of those things. So I understand when it comes to refreshing mm. a data center, what the effort. You know, a lot of people are sweating hardware. They can't scale. Everyone's worried about latency even on the network. So if you're spending that amount of money, yeah. I completely understand. But a lot of people seem to think that, like you rightfully said, and you use that phrase, lift and shift, um, or airlift, or one of the lifts. Everyone seems to think that, if they move to the cloud, they're going to flip a switch one side and then presto ninja dust on the other side. Everything's moved. But what we're seeing is that hybrid is not a journey. It's an inset. So invariably, you're still going to have some bit of tin mm. on-prem. Yeah, you know what? I th- yeah, that'll probably happen. For, you know what? It's also an investment thing. I mean, you'll see that um, a lot of the guys went and spent millions and millions already and now, just because Microsoft's coming to the country, they're not going to like, okay, well, okay, what do we do with all this kit now? So yes, they're going to have to run some sort of a hybrid um, so that they can sort of move themselves and sweat those assets. I'm wondering now, that's a good question you've, you've, you've raised. So guys like Rentworks, right? You, you must know where the Rentworks guys are. Okay, refurbished everything. Mm. So I wonder if they are going around yeah. and buying up old hardware, old Silverton. It would be interesting. Anyhow, we're reaching the yeah. top of, of the interview time. Uh, any advice to people that want to get into Azure? Uh, you know what? Just play. Just play. Um, and you know what? Subscribe to the news feeds um, and watch Azure Friday on a, on a Friday evening at 7 o'clock. It's literally a 15-minute thing where they go through the latest stuff. And there is always something happening. Always. Um, whether you're a developer, whether you're in infrastructure, you know, I don't know whether you're a CIO, I guess. I mean, there's always something happening for someone when it comes to Azure. So log on and play. And I think that's probably the best way you'll get into it. And then you'll notice that there's things there for everyone. Okay, great. How do people get hold of you on the interwebs and the Twitter Rotties? On the Twitter Rotties, uh, I'm at Warren DT. Okay. And uh, double time, Wadda. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, on the the interwebs it's www.waza.co.za yes i own that domain and that's um, super impressive by the way yeah it's cool <laughs> and um then i would say our podcast which you have also been on is uh the cloud architects so the architects.cloud and uh on twitter at the cloud arc because architects was taken you need to fix that. The cloud architects, architects for <laughs> cloud. Anyhow, thank you so much for spending time with us. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And I'll speak to you soon. Ciao. Sweet, dude. Have a good one. Ciao later. Ciao. Thank you so much for coming on, Warren. Really appreciate it. Yeah, it's always good to chat to the WAS. Uh, well, this is, I think, WAS 1.0, WAS 2.0, because our industry, no, he's the, what is he? The resident heckler, Warren Marks, yes. also known as Waza. And strangely, too many was. Who would have thought we'd have too many wazzers? <laughs> Why does it sound I like, did a, not see that like a British show? Uh, because 
It's more Australian. Really? I'm so Jezza. Well, they they call they, they call Jeremy Jezza, don't they? Yeah, but the Australians are always shortening stuff like that. All right. Anyhow, it was good to chat to him. Some strange terminologies used in that interview. I hope our listeners can can get all flanneled and puttied and octopi, and I don't know what else these people talk about. Um, when they start talking about Sounds Azure crazy. and container services and all of those things, microservices, serverless computing, containers, and all of these things. Well, all our listeners at the moment have a much better understanding of that than I do because I have not yet listened to that interview. <laughs> Such is it in today's world. Sweet. So then we're on to our next segment. In the news. I was worried there. I thought I might have to... You it did up. it really well last week. I was super impressed. I don't yeah. know if you edited the audio okay. or something. Okay. Because no, no. That, that no. was like no, one you, take. Like, Last week, there was minimal editing happening. <laughs> Everybody got a, a a much more unfiltered view of us than they usually get. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. I'll try to tighten it up for this one. So just for our listeners that actually follow us, um, we have we have over 100 uh, people on Twitter that follow us. Um, yay us. Yay us. So... We try to fix the audio recording. So if I do an interview or Rod does an interview with someone that's not physically in front of the mic, we need to look at different applications and we're trying Zencaster. And there might be a problem with my Ethernet because I use power over Ethernet to connect to my router. That's why you get the, the jabbering in my vocals, whereas the person I'm interviewing is crystal clear. And we endeavor to fix that so that the quality of the audio from our side is probably the best part of our podcast <laughs> yeah i do i do try to clean these things up as much as possible um but we are massive geeks and we like playing around with these things and we're always looking to improve your audio experience so we are going to be playing around with these things from time to time and so the, the audio quality will probably fluctuate a little bit but uh that's who we are so i think we're just going to stick with that and I'll do the best I can, and most of the time I think it works out perfectly. So yeah. It's all so back to the news. So, yes, actually back onto the news. Our first segment, I've got a bit. Um, there have been some Power Apps updates um, in the last little bit. Most specifically, they've had some improvements to the rules panel, with the, the new rules panel. So you can now rename and filter rules, which is a thing, I guess. Um, that whole rules engine is still super wonky, and I'm uh, I'm I'm not a massive fan of it in its current iteration. I think it's still it, it's an alpha bug <laughs> of that functionality, which is um, quite something for for us to be running with. Um, I don't think that's production ready, but um, it, it's cool. They're still working on it, and that's great. And another thing they added is um, they've added support for image rotation. So if you add an image uh, object into your Power App, they've now got a couple properties on that and you can rotate it up to, you know, 90 degrees, 180, whatever. So, oh, sorry, I, I, I dozed off there for a moment, Rod. Um, <laughs> that's how I feel about pipes and flow. Such a hater, bro. Dude, it sucks. <laughs> Why are you going to be hating, bro? It absolutely sucks. 
Now it's it is very cool. It's not um it's not as fully featured and as slick as I would like it, but the the power of the platform is amazing. Like the the fact that you can make this app once and you need a little bit of Cody stuff and it's a little bit janky in places, but you make that and then it's available in SharePoint and Teams on your mobile phone, like wherever you want it. Uh, that is really, really slick. And it is way quicker to do a solution like that than if you had to do bespoke development across all the platforms it touches. Like it is infinitely more effective at that. Look, you're a hypocrite. Because you posted a blog about Nintex like two days ago. And yet you've got power-ups and flows back in this conversation. You you still are looking at these things as mutually exclusive, and they're not. Um, each of these things has their place, right? For the majority of applications, for the majority of scenarios, power-ups and flow, I think, should do it. There is a certain threshold beyond which the complexity is too much for it to handle and then you need to move to uh, another another platform having said that if you want a, a form type app to work in browser and on a mobile device at the same time i think power apps is far more efficient for that than nintex just for the record i love nintex and it's great their uh, mobile offline engine app thing whatever you want to call it is horrifying to me I've, it's oh, it's rough because Look, it's I, not I, the same thing as the browser form. It's an entirely different form that like their engine does like some conversion stuff to get it into a different sort of thing. And the stuff you built... What, the responsive one or the, or the pixel perfect the, one? You get the Nintex mobile app, right? That's supposed to oh, have no, that. That's and it's rubbish. supposed to be the whole offline thing and it does not work as advertised. The App Studio yeah, stuff, yeah, that no, is, it is, shoddy. it is, it is, it's as bad as, it's as bad as Power Apps. <laughs> but uh, we're supposed to be getting, um, supposed to be able to embed Power Apps in a custom, um, as a custom list form. Yeah, uh, for SharePoint. Online. That is super cool, and 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 put them just them. in SharePoint, uh, like just put it in page, pages. You know, That's right. amazing. You can already yeah. do it in uh, Teams, which is super cool. Is it available? Yeah, you can do it in Teams. I've done it. Well, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, and there's more stuff coming next year around uh, server-side business validation, um, model-driven apps, some GDPR support. Yeah, there, uh, there's like there is constant movement on it, which I'm very excited about because, like I said, it is a little rough now. You can't like I mean I come from InfoPath. So I'm used to using technologies that are a little bit janky and you have to kind of like nudge them in the right direction to get them really to do what you really want. But you can always get it to do what you really want. So I'm Did a big you fan. Just this Infopath? I love InfoPath. I'm giving InfoPath training in a couple of weeks. I love me my InfoPath. It's, it's just like... That's like saying, that's like, oh, there's still Visual Basic 6 yeah. programmers in the U.S., because there is. And, and those guys will say they love it. And I do love InfoPath. I, I have accepted the fact that it will go away and it is not the way of the future. Uh, and that makes me sad because I really love that program. But we move on and we embrace Power Apps because I, I really like what that does too. All right. Cool. What else do you uh, Next up in the news, there is um, another one of your favorite topics. Um, there's some new flow news. 
So they've got new integration between OneDrive for <gasps> Business and Flow. Um, and there's some cool stuff. So in OneDrive for Business, you can now run a flow on demand on a specific file. So you, you had the triggers before, but now, now you can run them on demand. You can also run flows on entire folders, which is pretty cool. And um, there are some new actions, which I will give you at the end of the podcast, because last week you gave me so much crap for not doing my segment. So, so here's the thing, right? I want an action. Okay, I want an action to move a document from SharePoint Online to SharePoint On-Prem. Is that possible with Flow? It is absolutely possible. I don't know if there are any currently existing uh, actions that will support that. I think there might be through the on-premise data gateway. Um, but if it's not there, you can code your own, Al. You see, you you started to redeem yourself and then you just ruined it right at the end. Like what I'm saying is you can do whatever you want. Some of it will require more configuration and or custom code than other things. Yeah, it I, depends. I, I haven't Typical done that consultant. myself. So, All right. And what, what, uh, if, if so you've got a... that sort of requirement often and you need to automate it, there are third-party tools that handle that sort of interaction very well and you get more out of it so you can schedule things and you get full transparency and auditing and all of that sort of stuff so you, you need to use the right tool for the right job is all i'm saying what news what? do you have for us mr L? if you're so down on all my news that i think both of those are very cool um you you can excite me now so i'm gonna go the, okay don't get all frisky uh, i don't swing that way modeling uh, yeah it's not I've what you never said really earlier. Th- I've never really tried to excite you. I didn't know you were excitable. (laughs) So, Find Time is back. Okay. Is it it still a garage type product? No, no, no. It's in Office 365. All right. So it's been promoted. Yeah. Been promoted. It's got a funny name. Find something. I can't remember the name, but it's back. Um, Because we announced it. And then we had to unannounce it, and now we're announcing it again. But it seems like Microsoft does this. They did it with the community leader portal, and now you're having that functionality in tech community, the taking bits, and you've also got find time now is also available. Um, once again, so find your time. Or I can't, they've changed the name. It's got find in it. And I don't think it's called find time. Well, check it out in your app launches, everybody. That's a, it's a super useful little tool. So, I don't know if it's going to be in the app launcher. It's going to sit inside Outlook. Okay, so it's integrated into Outlook now. Okay. Correct, correct, correct. That makes uh, a lot next of sense. on my list. Oh, well, why would you want it as an app? You actually yeah. just want it there. You, know? you just want it all integrated and stuff. That makes sense, yeah. Yeah. Uh, next up, this is a personal favorite of mine. You remember when we started working together, Modlin? I do. Remember we hired Rocco to build a learner companion? Yeah. And he did it like Remember it was as that he does plugin everything. For Windows. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's why one of the reasons why we brought him on, there was some source code and all of that. And yeah. that's obviously now they've sucked that into um, the OneNote classroom notebook. It's the same thing, pretty much. They've just taken it and integrated it into OneNote. And obviously the sense. classroom, the OneNote classroom OneNote, 
um, is, has moved, has migrated into Teams, so it's part of Teams now. And there's a Teams update for Microsoft in education, which I'm very excited about. So all of that OneNote classroom notebook, or is it notebook? Yes. That was available separately in OneNote is now available inside of Teams, and they've done some updates to that. So now you can create an assignment from a OneNote page or with a OneNote page. Um, you can do grading inside of the classroom notebook. Um, there's assignment notifications that will come through on your bell inside of Teams. You know okay. the, the, the notification yeah, yeah. bell? It will come yeah. through there. <laughs> That's oh, so exciting. Yeah. That's and, super cool. And it does student file submission. So think about it. You, you, you're a teacher and you send out an assignment. Students can now do file submissions through, um, through the classroom notebook inside of Teams. That is really sweet. So you know how you do the annotations inside of OneNote? You know where you scribble? Yeah. You can now do grading that way. Okay, and do note. all the OCR and, oh, and pick it up. It. It's that so cool. is badass, dude. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of other ones coming as well. Awesome. Lost on my yeah, list. They, they're working hard on education, hey? No, well, look, it makes so, sense, right? It's grassroots level, they're giving the shit away for free because it's free. But think about the science behind it. If you educate people or students, right? So think about it. I mean, you don't have any kids, um, I've got a lot of them. Um, yeah. They're all related, by the way. It's not like I have a lot of them from a lot of women. I have a lot of them from one woman. Um, although, um, I don't have a lot. I've only got fours. and Four, not fours. <laughs> <laughs> i got a set of twins, so it's only three pregnancies. <laughs> but think about the science behind it. My kids grow up and they need to get into school, right? And if... At the level where they start writing and typing, they can immediately have enablement. It's not like they have to come home and all of a sudden they're taking mom's notebook to do their assignments on and all of that. They start get edu they get educated in like grade two or something, right? Yeah. And the chances are they don't need to be educated because by the time they do, they can't even read, but they know to download an app off the app store. So, yeah, the digital they, natives are a different thing, hey? Completely different. And, uh, and I cannot emphasize that, that enough. It just makes so much logical sense that Microsoft is enabling and empowering the education system with tools for free. It's one way of them giving back. But the thing is, the minute that student becomes employable, what is he going to gravitate to? <laughs> the Microsoft stack. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Which is good because it is the best. No, it is. It is. It's, like, it's, it's, it's the really Jacques Callis. It's the Jacques Callis. Um, that's what I call it. I actually wrote it in a. Did I write it in a blog post? No, actually in a session. Just in your mind. No, it's in a session. Uh, hi, coming back to what's in my mind right now. Um, I'll be doing a session at the next year's Intra Team event in Copenhagen around intranets, and I'll be doing a session on how to ensure. GDPR compliance in Office 365. Speaking of GDPR compliance, head over to aka.ms slash, what was it? Slash compliance manager. Um, when you listen to this podcast, and it will take you to Microsoft's new offering and preview called the compliance manager. 
Now with the compliance manager, you, what they actually do is they give you a dashboard so you can manage your compliance, specifically in this case around GDPR. So GDPR has got uh, there's a stupid amount of rules, like that's over 100 rules. I can't remember the exact amount that you need to adhere to or be compliant as of, I think it's the 12th of May next year. Otherwise, you're in breach of it and you could be sued by the European Union. So what this... Yeah, it's the EU standard and you you, you have to comply if you're... Uh, so, so for those who don't know what the GDPR is, um, Rod, you, you're fresh off the boat on this. I think you know what it is now for about 35 minutes. Dude, there's so many standards and stuff and junk, and I don't work in the EU. But this, this that's the point, Modlin. That's the point. You don't have to work in the EU or have an office in the EU. Like I said, if you are mining data, right? So think of that cookies where you say, and I did it the other day, I was looking at sunglasses. So I went to the sunglass site and I said, oh, I'll accept your cookie policy. And I open up Facebook and the sunglass ad is there. And I go into Instagram, the sunglass ad is there. So I'm a data subject, right? Yeah. And I reside in the EU and I'm looking at sunglasses in South Africa. That's a South African company. It's hosted on a server in Etna in Durbanville in Cape Town um, or in the, uh, the Great Westernford building in Cape Town. And I browse to the site and I, as the sunglass, as a data subject, I can request my data, A, so I want to know what they collected about me, and B, I want it to be scrubbed off their service. So it doesn't matter if you are not in the EU or you don't have an office in the EU. If you're collecting data of citizens from the EU, you are subject to the GDPR. Yeah, so what's nice about this, it actually yeah, maps so out all the regulations and statutes in the GDPR. And there are tasks that you can assign to people in your organization to make sure that you're compliant so they need to execute against legislation or rule or item number or section number 117-4A. You know what like legal documents are like. You can now assign that to people. Currently, you can assign it to people. Yeah. But you'll be able to assign it to a group of people that worry about this. So your your chief security officer and your chief information officer and all of those people, especially in the larger organizations, um, will be able to now receive notifications. Uh, but also checks from an application and appliance perspective if Microsoft technologies that you're using are compliant. And this is also extending to other standards like the ISO standards as well. And they'll be adding all of that so that you can now have a decent report of what your organization's doing when it comes to Microsoft and Microsoft 365. That's absolutely hectic. This is amazing and super important functionality. No, it is. And think how quickly they ramped up to this, right? I mean, they're going to give you a dashboard that you can, with. but the problem is it's another task that's assigned to you. So you've got another app that has a task that you need to complete with another status. Speaking of tasks, Modlin. Yes. So moving on to our next segment in the show, new features Al didn't know about. Well, I'm adding a bit to that Al's rant of the week. So I've got a couple of rants, right? One, Microsoft should have fixed, well, actually, Microsoft must fix 
all the SharePoint Online features that they've sucked out of SharePoint 2007 and SharePoint 2010. Stuff like? Okay, let's start at the top, shall we? You know the approval workflow, the standard approval workflow? Yeah. Okay. The one you can use when you're doing content approval in libraries. Sure. Okay. It's the same one. Yeah. You know, there's a, when you receive the mail, it says open in task, right? In the mail. I'll actually, let me open up a mail quickly. Show you how abysmal this is, right? Let me go to that inbox. Okay. So to complete this task, review. So if, document review, right? Uh, perform the specific activities required for this task. And then it says, use the open this task button to mark the task as completed. So if you double click in the Outlook client and you open that, there's a open this task button in the ribbon. Okay. It is not in Outlook web. Oh, really? The button doesn't exist there. No, it doesn't. So you cannot complete this task. And there's no link in it either to say, navigate to your task and meh, you know. It says, if you cannot update this task, you might not have access to it. doesn't tell you, in the web client of Outlook, this button doesn't exist. And you need to go to the site, and then from there, go to the library and go look at the tasks list, and then go action at that one. That's my first rate. Yep. Okay. Let, let's keep it going. Second I, I am strapped in. Second rant is around records management. So did you know that they took the SharePoint 2010 Record Center site template, right? Yeah. And they moved it to 2013 and changed nothing. Then they moved it to 2016 changed nothing. And now they've, well, they, and they moved it to SharePoint Online and changed nothing. Nothing, dude. Absolutely nothing. Okay. Shit doesn't work. You know when you could say add a new list or library and it gave you those four columns, right? Mm-hmm. That's the same thing. It's still visible. So you've got that, um, if you want to create a new library, your communications, tracking, custom list pages and sites. That's still available. It doesn't work. So what's the point of saying add a new records library when a records library is not listed under the libraries column? That's very strange. I won't lie. Because no one updated the template. And then let's talk about labels, right? Labels, great thing. Stupid when it comes to SharePoint. This is where you ask okay. me, but why is it stupid, Al? Why, why is it stupid, Al? <laughs> because it serves no purpose. What does it do? It gives you that in-place records management. It serves a purpose in the greatest scheme of things, right? When you want to add a label to a document or an email, when you're not working in a library, you know, well, not a library, but then it makes sense when it's objective. And so I'm sitting in OneDrive and I add a label, I can add it there. But Microsoft needs to either put the glue together so that it's record center where it's got great records management functionality where you declare a document a record because that shit actually happens. The document goes for, it changes the state, right? The state of that document changes from a document to a record. So yeah. who gets to define a record in your organization? Surely it's the records offices, right? 
because they studied for years to be records officers. So when you, you classify, so? well, of course, man. When you because shit, man. You when you get audited and the shit's not done properly, you in breach of that audit, you get a fine from your auditing firm. End of story, dude. You can lose ISO certifications. So think of a manufacturing company, right? That think about a manufacturing company that adheres to ISO standards, but doesn't adhere to records keeping standards for ISO because they didn't do it properly. They cannot and think of an injection molding company that does all the plastic stuff for Woolies, right? If the auditors show up and they're not compliant anymore because their ISO cert hasn't been reissued by uh, SABS, right? They no longer can yeah. produce those little tubs for the yogurt or yogurt. I don't know. Is it yogurt? Yogurt? We say yogurt. Yogurt. Like Stuart. Anyhow, so, but that's my rant. Though. Wow, dude, you've got off the deep end. <laughs> but the implications, the ramifications of not ensuring proper records keeping in an organization. Why do you think Sarbanes Oxley was created? Because Enron knowingly under slash unknowingly destroyed content. That's why Sox, the Sarbanes Oxley legislation exists. There's a whole bunch yeah. of others. So don't offer us labels because I think labels is really great. Easy to configure. You can. Did you know that labels don't exist as a metadata column, as a column in SharePoint? Did you know this? I didn't. So it floats. It, it okay. literally floats. It's somewhere in the floatosphere or the metasphere because you literally go into a library and you go into the library settings and you click a button and say hello. Mm. You know, you enable it. And then now you can add labels. But labels don't form part of your metadata columns. So it's not part of the content type. You can't see it there. You can only see it um, if you add the column, right? So yeah. you can go into the all documents view or you can create a view and add the column. Yeah. Otherwise, it's not part of the columns that are associated to that library list. That's that's a thing? It is a thing, mate. It's a thing. And that doesn't roll back to the record center. So it's not like you can give it a label and it will know what to do because labels don't exist in the uh, drop-off library as part of your organizer rules. So you can't root based on a label. Yeah, that is irritating. Anyhow, that's my rant. Well ranted. All right, that's that's me. That's me, Modern. That's me. Sorry, I'm just a bit worked up right now. It's all good, dude. You must go have a a cup of tea or something. Yeah, yeah. All right, what what? Oh, and onto our our actual segment because last week we didn't have this because it was rolled up into the news. Go with the flow. Yes. So to keep all happy. Uh, the flow news has been split out, and so I'm going to run very quickly through the new actions that we've got in flow, thanks to the OneDrive for Business integrations. Some cool stuff. You can convert a file using a path or on the file itself, so you can convert files to PDF, which is really handy. Um, create share links on the what, file. What sort file. of PDF? What sort of PDF? I haven't explored it. A PDF. Like, you want to know if it's signed and editable? And no, I stuff. want to know if it's a PDF for archiving purposes. 
because it's a different type of PDF. It's a PDF slash A. Um, I don't think it's a PDF slash A. I think it's a PDF, like like I said, and like I said in the documentation. It might do PDF slash A, but maybe not yet. But then Microsoft would have to pay royalties because you can get a previous version of PDFs for free, and that's why everyone can create PDFs now. So the latest version from Adobe, so let's say it's 1.7, right? They will not give you that for free. They'll give you 1.5 for free. Okay, well, then as I... Uh read and suggested you can convert them to PDF. This is not me trying not to hijack PDF the segment. I know. It, it, it's a good point. It's a good point. And of course, you're not trying to hijack Maybe I should put up my hand and see. Okay, I'll let your turn to speak. I'm, I'm just happy you're interested and in talking about flow. Look, I'll, it's a 3-7 thing because you're the host, you get seven points. I'm the co-host, I get three points. Ew, bro. <laughs> I'm not ranting. Uh... Okay, so yeah, else? you else? can convert to PDF, you can create share links um, on the file or by path, you can upload a file to OneDrive for Business from a URL, it's pretty, pretty cool. Um, they've also got actions for searching for files in a folder, so you can, if, if you want to do batch stuff, you can or pull out something based on something or other, you can do that in Flow, um, and you also have the ability to move and rename files in OneDrive for Business. So just a whole bunch of new stuff you can do with the files there. Is that just for one uh, That's quite cool. Um, I, I assume you can convert any file with from PDF. So it also says uh, copy file and copy file using path. What does that mean? I'm reading your show notes. Yes. So you you can cop, so you can run a flow. So they're separate actions, right? So there's an action for if it's running on a file which would be the copy file. So then you're running it on that file and you say, I want to copy this file to that thing. Or you might have kicked it off somewhere else and you want to copy a file that you know the path of, but you're not running the flow on that file. And then you'd use copy file using path. So can I use an on-premises path to a library to copy something? I have I have not tested it. Do you like um, everyone else, dude? Everyone, nobody has the answers. Why is that, Ojin? Because the stuff is updating and having new functionality so quickly, we don't have time to keep up with everything. Sad. Uh, Very sad. So we, we have to read the blog posts and stuff and rely on our awesome listeners who will hopefully ping me and you on uh, the Twitters and uh, let us know how, it, how it's going. Um, and I would encourage everybody to tweet at Al and tell him he's wrong and... Uh, Power apps and flow are really cool, and InfoPath too is sweet. So, go troll him with that because he deserves it. Look, I don't have a problem with InfoPath. I've built some intricate um, InfoPath forms in my day. It's, it's just these newfangled technologies. You're not a fan of. No, 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 no! Don't try to make me out that I'm like super old. I I embrace change. I don't I know how to change. respond to that. I'm just messing with you, Alistair. I see how it is cool. now. So I that's see how it is now. It's okay. Yeah, I mean the eyesight's going, but you can still see. This is good. <laughs> uh, cool. So I think that's it from us this week. Unless you have anything. No, to no, say no. Now. I'm done. Notice I didn't vape on the call. I do appreciate it. If you guys want to find our vape-free <laughs> episodes, you can find us online at twoguysandsharepoint.co.za. We're also on Twitter, two guys SharePoint. I'm on Twitter at Odd Modlin, and L is at Alistair Pugin. 
And since some people don't know this, you can also find us on iTunes and all your podcast app of choices. Wherever you get your podcasts, you can find us. You might have to search for Two Guys in SharePoint one word rather than splitting it up. Splitting it up, I think that's the case on iTunes. Um, but we are there. Uh, you created iTunes. Did I did I not create iTunes. I think I tried, and it this didn't is the debate. You ended up doing it. No, no, no. You did because you changed the logo of the show. I did too, didn't I? Yes, you put the text in there. La, 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 la. Didn't want to take the original one. Yeah. But we're going to change the logo of the show. Yeah, it, it needs a bit cool. of a sprucing up. Revamp your on episode fifty-two. Okay, that is super specific. I'm going to leave that in the episode, and then you have to actually follow through on it. No problem. I've already got the logo. Sweet. <laughs> cool. All right. Thank you all for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Cheers, oh cheers. wait, actually, actually, I'm going to put this somewhere earlier in the in the podcast. Um, we should tell you guys that during the month of December. There are going to be no new Two Guys in SharePoint episodes. We're away and stuff, so it's a bit of a, a weird month. So we'll let you know now. We are taking a hiatus for the month of December. We are going to be... The whole month? The whole month. Not even the first two weeks? No, the whole month. Because the time that we are not away on holiday with our significant others, we are going to be spending, uh, spinning up a entirely new piece of content for the listeners so, so when do we come back then, about we will be back the first friday in january are people gonna be back the first friday january do you, do you want to make it the second friday like why not the first i'd friday? like to take a, a month right so from the like 12th of december to the 12th of january so, so let me get this straight first you were you were angry that i said the whole of december and now you want to make it longer. No, I don't want to make it longer. I want a month, 30 days, but I don't want the month to start the 1st of December. I want it to start on the, the 15th of December. But then it's like a half month and it's all weird. It's not Why do you weird. want the first couple of weeks in January? Off? Because we need to sync with what people do. Our listeners travel, they don't travel. So everyone leaves the 15th, right? And then they come back at first the second week of January. Okay, how's this? Um, we will leave some amount of this in the episode. If you guys have uh, a specific preference when you would like us to take our calendar month off for traveling and such things and prepping our cool new thing, uh, do let us know. Else, Elle and I will meet in a parking lot and we'll battle it out and uh, the winner will get their way. How's that? We'll that put a good. poll up somewhere. I'm sure we can put a poll up. I'm sure we can put a poll up. Cool. I'll put a poll up on Facebook. Go to our Facebook page and tell us what works. Sweet. All right. Thank Are you very much, that? Al. Yeah, we're good. Sweet. Cheers. Again. And do we stop recording? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>